Quick, what are you doing to disciple your kids? Catechids can help. Catechids is a little book with 100 simple questions and answers to help parents teach their young children the essential doctrines of the Christian faith, to lead them to faith in Jesus, and equip them to walk in the Spirit every day and love God. I wrote Catechids for my own kids, and they love it. It's become a tool that's been blessing Christian families and churches far and wide. Get Catechids on Amazon today or by going to thethink.institute. Uh-oh, we're, we're muted. Oof. Just, oh, there we go. There we go. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, man. It's been too long, especially since you blew me off the other day. Well, well when you called me at 8.30 in the morning and said, where are you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm a last second guy, Joel. I mean, I like being last second too. It's just, you know, sometimes last second doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't. All I know is this. I'm in the city. Oh, I'm in the city solely for one reason. And that's to see good old Pastor Rafi. Well, that and I was teaching apologetics. Was that Pastor Rafi? Is that what you just said? Pastor Rafi. Pastor Rafi Rafe. I can update my name on here if you need me to. (laughs) Trying something new. So all I know is I'm in the city and um, I'm I'm teaching apologetics, you know, at uh, Veritas Academy. Excellent homeschooling co-op for anybody looking for uh, such a thing. And... I get done with my lesson, which went very well by God's grace. And I'm like, oh, I think I'll visit Rafe. You know, I'm up here on the north side. He's all the way on the south side. I already drove into the city. You know, what's that? That's like at least an hour drive. And 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 and, and since I came all this way, since I came all this way, why not see my good friend, my brother, Pastor Rafe Rafe? And what happens? He goes, you know what? <laughs> I believe there was a scoffing emoji sent. I don't know exactly which one it was, but it was one um, of the scoffing ones. It was, yeah, one of those scoffing <laughs> ones. And and uh, next thing I know, I'm getting blown off by well, supposedly a man of God. You know, we all have our our weaknesses, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> My weak moments are early mornings. I was just sleeping. I I'd slept in till about ten thirty. Come on, what do you think I'm doing all day? Were you really sleeping in? No, I wasn't sleeping in. I I was two meetings deep at that point. You were you were what? What were you? Two meetings I was deep. Two, I was two meetings deep at that. But I saw you texted or you 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 shot me a text twice that morning. Yeah, so I sure I, did. I sure did. You know what, man? You know I know you. I know you work hard, and I will say, um, in all seriousness, I am very much a late riser. And if you had, if you had gotten in touch with me uh, early in the morning, I very well may not have. Uh, responded i i for you i probably would have for you i probably would have but uh how how did your meetings go always good always good every meeting is a good meeting joel i never have any (laughs) (laughs) i feel literally the exact opposite i don't think i've ever had a good meeting in my life oh that's funny that's funny i don't Um, know I, i get my meetings blur together to be honest with you i hear that i 100% hear that all right so give us the update on uh on what's going on with you and um, and ministry there in the city of Chicago? Because I got to go share the show. I'm sharing the show in uh, all the different groups right now. So um, yeah, tell us what's going on with you, man. What's new? Oh boy, a little quick update. I mean, we don't have too much time. I only got about half an hour here today. But uh, what's what's new in the in the world? Let's see. Uh, church, you know, the church has been sweet. Uh, one, probably a highlight for me has been we've started a daily prayer at twelve o'clock. Nice. So seven days a week, we're getting together from 12 to 1230 on Sunday mornings. It's 815, 845 before church. And um, I'll tell you what, it's it's been really sweet. There, there's been a, uh, I think prayer is one of those things where 
the church has a, a tendency to be better at talking about it than doing it in terms of yeah. collectives. So uh, people pray. Obviously, we're Christians. We pray to God, and our relationship with God is built off of just foundation of prayer. But when it comes to genuinely seeing movements of prayer built, I think in general we're better at talking about it than doing it. And this is the first time in a long time I'm really seeing a movement of prayer build, and it's increasing. So last Sunday at church, we had about 20-plus folks gathered for prayer before the service. Um, and we're, we're seeing 30 to 50 folks come on every day for prayer from 12 wow. to 1230. And um, for me, it, it's just really it's a sweet thing. I'm preaching this Sunday on Act, the end of Acts chapter 1 when the, the, the apostles are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and for Pentecost and for the beginning of this movement that, God, that Jesus said he was going to do. But first he said, just wait for me. And when you find them, what they're doing is they're praying. They're just gathered together. It says they're of one accord and they're praying together and they're making decisions for the church based off the scriptures, but they're praying. And so I'm looking at all that God's doing and it's a sweet season of ministry, but the, the sweetest thing about it is there's a foundation of we're calling out on the Lord together. And so it's making me pretty hopeful for the future. Man, that's, that's very hopeful. And, um, you know, uh, I, I was told uh, earlier today um, that there was a group of Christians praying for me and some other guys because I don't know if I told you this yet, but I'm going to be going down to uh, to New Orleans. Did I tell you this? Is it a conference? Yeah, yeah. It's a, um, yes, sort of. It's sort of a conference. Yeah, I think you told me something about this. Okay, so I was I was invited last minute. Another speaker dropped out, so I'm the B team that they're calling up. Um but uh, there's this there's this brother Zoe White, and he is uh, a good New Covenant brother, Calvinist brother, um, strong brother in the faith, aspiring church planter, and uh, overall just kind of mover and shaker down there in the, the New Orleans area. And he reaches out to me and he goes, "Hey, I want to recruit you for this conference," and uh, starts to tell me about what it is. And it turns out it's more of a missions trip focused on reaching non-believers who are down in New Orleans for Mardi Gras, you know, to party for Mardi Gras. Wow. And we're going to go out street pre preaching, street witnessing for like multiple hours. And then there's going to be a conference component to it as well. And the theme of the, the conference is total depravity because he's going to work through the five doctrines of grace. Um, you know, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible sure. grace and perseverance of the saints. And so the first one is um, total depravity. So we're, I'm preaching on that. And so I've been, I've been sermon prepping for that. And I just spoke with Zoe this morning and he told me that a group of believers were praying. I think it was last night. They were praying for me and the other speakers. And uh, man, nothing gets me amped up like right. knowing God's people are praying for me. You know, it's like, whoo, I just get spiritually supercharged when I know that, you know, I know it, uh, there was, you know, I, <laughs> Sometimes I find out someone's praying for me. A, a while ago, my wife and I, we were going through something that was, it was just something in our family. And, uh, and months later, we went down and visited uh, my wife's parents' church. And there was a group of older women who were part of a small group who were like, mm -hmm. just want to let you know, we were praying for you. And it's like, we don't even know, we don't even know who you are. Wow. But you're, 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 there's just this faithful obedience of prayer that is powerful and it, it, it works. It's pretty cool. Praise God, man. And that's a real solution because we need to talk about real solutions today because there's a whole lot of fake and phony solutions that are circulating out there in the Amen. world. And prayer actually connects us to God and it actually um, puts us in a context and a situation where we would expect God to work. And what we need to talk about right now, Rafe, is 
we need to talk about what's going on in France and in the U.S. and how what's going on in the U.S. is affecting what's going on in France to the extent that the French people, including the leadership, are taking notice and they're starting to kick back a little bit. And I got to tell you, I never in a million years thought that I would be siding with the French over <laughs> some of my my fellow citizens. What do you have against the French, Joel? Listen, I took French in high school. I, you're speaking to a French honor society member, all right? Je parle la française, all right? But, the accent. <laughs> I mean, je parle. Je parle. making Macron proud right there. That's right, Macron. So, um, but, but uh, you know, when I think about French culture, French society. Obviously, there's a lot of richness there. There's a lot of of beauty and a lot of history. Um, the the um, well, you and I both have been reading this book by a uh, uh, was was Brutus. Was he a French Huguenot or no? He was. Uh, yeah, he was a French Huguenot. Yeah. So some some incredible. Uh, that's a vindicate contra tyrannos for anyone who's interested. A vindication of liberty against tyrants. It's a great book. Rafe and I. I just finished it. Rafe's reading it right now and. Um, it's a great book, but but there have been some amazing French thinkers. John Calvin, French thinker. Um, but I, I I guess I could say I didn't expect to count the French president Macron among those French thinkers that I would be that I would be on a podcast discussing and respecting. Uh, no disrespect to him as a person, but just didn't expect this aspect of it. So we need to talk about the article. This is an article that came up in Discern.com. D-I-S-R-N.com. I'm going to pull it up. And um, do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction into what was, uh, you know, what's being discussed? Yeah. I mean, I can walk us through. I got a printout of it right here. Um, and so here's the title of the article. So the title is French leaders say social and racial theories are, quote, entirely imported from the United States are destroying French culture. Right. And so the article is um, the gist of it is that French leadership, including Macron and uh, who's the other, the French education minister, Jean-Michel Blanquer. You nailed it. I'm butchering his name. Is Jean-Michel Blanquer. Blanquer. Um, basically, that certain leadership within the French um, uh, government are saying that the ideology that's coming out of the American university system, the woke ideology that's coming out of the American university system, and we can maybe uh, step two here will be to define woke. And, and Joel, I'll probably put yeah. that one on you to kind of mm -hmm. give us a helpful working understanding of that. But what they're saying is the the woke philosophy that's being exported from American universities and finding its way into French culture, into French government, into French society as a whole is frankly anti-French. It's anti-democratic and it's tearing the country apart um, because it's it's. It's just against the founding principles of what they say uh, France is all about. So just to read a quick quote to you, he says, uh, when I see journalists who write in a country that is the heir to the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, which, by the way, there, there's some humor here that I do want to talk about in terms of boasting in the Enlightenment and the French Revolution. I think those are good, good topics to talk about. Uh, when I see them legitimizing this violence and saying that the heart of the problem is that France is racist and Islamophobic, then I say the founding principles have been lost. Mm. And, and the idea here is that if, if you're gonna take a full woke philosophy and you're going to say this is true of France, uh, that the entire thing is racist from the ground up, that it's Islamophobic from the ground up and you have to tear down all the entire pillars of the society as a whole in order to rebuild from the ground up, 
he said, really, our, our entire ideal is lost as a French, as a nation. Um, and so they're pushing back against it. It sounds like there was quite a big uh, discussion, some tempers flared, <laughs> the fact that anyone would dare push back against um, the, the sentiment of wokeism that's coming out of uh, American institutions. Uh, how dare they say this is not right and there's, this is not true and it's not good for society. Um, but that's the gist of the article, that they stood against it and you know they're working through it right now in France, having that conversation. So here you've got the French leadership acknowledging that there's this ideology that is infiltrating and taking over society. And, and this is exactly what wokeness does, um, which we'll define in a moment. And what they're saying, they're, they're essentially saying, you know, this is not welcome here, mm -hmm. um, which is, I have to say, you hear what, a lot of it's a minority. So the, the another article I was reading on this, I, they're not winning the voice right now. They're, they're not winning, not the voice. They're not, they're not the lead voice pushing yeah. back against it right now, but they are a voice, a surprising voice saying it's right. not welcome here. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And are, are you talking about the, um, let's see, the article that you sent journal article i sent you okay um i've got one from the review is that the one oh go with that one that's fine yeah a bunch okay okay i'm gonna i'm gonna pull that up um and while i'm pulling that up let's let's take a moment and define wokeness um you know it's something that we've certainly talked about on this podcast i've talked about it on my own podcast uh the the think podcast um we, I've had uh, thinkers like Neil Shenvey and um, Hillary Morgan Ferrer and others come on to unpack the idea of wokeness, but not everybody has listened to those episodes. And so what we need to do is we need to take a second and and define it. So I've got the, the other article pulled up now. I'm going to put this back. If you're listening later via the podcast, um, you can find the first article simply by going to disrn.com. Okay. So we're going to table this for just a second. Um, let me take a moment and I'm going to give you sort of my working man's definition of wokeness. Cause I've had people ask me this somewhat frequently. What is wokeness? What does it mean to be woke? I think in general, most Christians in America are trying to figure out a definition to that. I so, think that's totally fair. And I'm going to often as you can for us, Joel. Yeah, no, that's good. So positively speaking, if, if, if I were someone who bought into this ideology, I would say that being becoming woke means becoming awakened to the systems of oppression that, um, that exist in our society. Uh, there are oppression fault lines in our society. So, um, think of it in terms of a, uh, a circle. And on the top half of the circle, you have different attributes that would characterize you as belonging to a particular identity group. So able-bodied, male, uh, Christian, um, quote-unquote cisgendered, meaning you um, ascribe to yourself the, the sex that you were born with, um, various other characteristics. On the underside, uh, white would be up there, uh, being pictured or, or portrayed as white. On the, on the underside of that circle, which would be the oppressed side of the circle, would be all all of the negations of those things or the opposites of those things. So rather than white, you are non-white or what people call POC, which I think is a terrible term to call, to divide everybody up into white or persons of color. Like that is very racist to do that. <laughs> that is not good. But- um, problems with, with, with wokeism 
And, and I know you and I, Joel, are pretty hard on wokeism. I think that can come off for folks who are new to the conversation. I just want to say this up front. We're hard on it, um, probably because we're in this conversation all the time, all the, all the and time. we're used to this conversation. But for any new listeners who are listening in, um, we're hard on it just and for, the, for the reason of a full embracing of it is, is, is an anti-biblical worldview. Right. It, it's a full worldview with where we come from, what the problem is, what the solution is, and where we're headed. Right. And ultimately, it's each of those points is against the biblical worldview. So you can't have both at the same time. It's not a little bit of this and some of this. It's you got to choose which world are you going to live in. Yeah, and that's, that's where we're clear with this. So right. And the positive, the positive statement of wokeism is. Yeah, the positive statement is you're awakened to the systems of oppression and you're committed to fighting them. Yeah. Okay. Negatively speaking, um, wokeness is an ideology that is rooted in Marxist thought that divides society up into class structure. Um, sometimes it's called uh, social Marxism or uh, sorry, cultural Marxism, because rather than just being focused on economics, it's focused on culture at large. And it divides everybody up, not by necessarily by economic status, although that's part of it, but by all these other fault lines. And what it does is it vilifies people. It absolutizes these identity group characteristics. And then it vilifies or valorizes people based on their adherence to these different groups. And this is it, it, it uh, this is where you get ideas like intersectionality from mm -hmm. because you've got these different identifiers and they intersect with each other. So if you're a uh, you know if you're disabled, well that would be an oppressed category, but if you're white that's an oppressor category. And so there's intersections of these different attributes. But the identity groups are absolutized to the extent that individuality is lost and you are completely thought to be subsumed under your identity groups. And so um, now the French people are looking at this and they're seeing that it's very much an American construct. Uh, it, it, and, and if you want to be, uh, if you want to go back a little further, there was, there was a, um, an Italian thinker named uh, Gramsci, probably butchering his last name, but um, he was, he was a Marxist and he came up with this idea to infiltrate Marxism or to infiltrate society with Marx, Marxist thought. And critical theory has been developed over the years um, based on this sort of Gramscian uh, Marxist um, idea. And this is why leaders like the leaders of, uh, uh, help me out, BLM, Black Lives Matter, they are avowed Marxist. And BLM is very much on the forefront of wokeness and woke ideology. So this stuff comes from Marx. If you know anything about Marx, Karl Marx, very bad guy very evil, um, right. very, very godless, very atheistic in the worst possible way, um, hated God, hated his fellow man. And so wokeness is coming out of that. And like old school, old line communism, it has a way of infiltrating minds and infiltrating societies. And this minority of the French, including these two prominent French leaders are saying, not on my watch. We don't want this here. Um, so what what are they offering as a solution? Well, <laughs> what are they already offering in this article? Yeah. Well, I, ironically, uh, I don't know if this is where you're going with this, but they're they're going back to the ideals as stated in the French Revolution. Right. Right. <laughs> Which, uh, if if you if you've been a student of history at all, that didn't work out too well in the short run when those ideals were were fully lived out as it led to massacre. In fact, one of the one of the really fascinating. Um, studies of history is looking at those two revolutions that took place sim almost simultaneously. If you do a side-by-side -side comparison, two of the 
I want to be careful saying great, um, but two of the most uh, meaningful and uh, substantial in terms of world history revolutions that took place were the American Revolution and French Revolution. Right. And they took place right around the same time. And they had a number of the same philosophers that were behind some of the thought that led to them. So there were definitely, I mean, you, you, even with the American Revolution, you have to say there were enlightenment values that were being brought in. Some of the, some of the enlightenment thinkers uh, that were philosophers that were being looked at were common, except there were two different ultimate philosophies, two, different, two totally different approaches. One was highly atheistic. It was a rebellion against uh, the, the system as a whole, against the entire church. Uh, that's the French Revolution. And the other one was highly, uh, depending on which lens you look through each of the different people that were involved, on the whole, it was highly Christian. It was a, uh, it was, it was highly Christian. And so um, we need to, we, we, I think it's interesting when you look at the, uh, at Macron saying, look at the French Revolution and this ideal that they had. That wasn't an ideal for a Christian. <laughs> right. so he's going back to another system that didn't work. Right. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that we can't also come alongside him and say, okay, this, this doesn't work, right? This yeah. is, uh, we're, we're agreeing with you on this particular space that wokeism working through the society is not going to be good for the society as a whole. But there is a better solution than the French Revolution, that's for sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, um, one other alternative that, uh, you know, sometimes people swing the pendulum in, in, in other directions. And uh, I'm bringing this up because I just looked at this, um, this article from a website that I've never been familiar with before. But um, I'm I'm thumbing through, man. I'm thumbing through some of these articles, and I'm I'm a little concerned, to be honest with you. I know this isn't your favorite website. I don't know that you've ever heard of it before either. No, but it, it this actually looks like this website might be some sort of uh, white nationalist thing. Uh, a lot of the articles are focusing on on white issues and things like that. So that would be another example. I don't know that website. I don't vouch for that website. If it turns out it's some kind of horrible white nationalist thing, <laughs> obviously I disavow that. Um, but, uh, but they were, they were obviously highlighting the same story that the discern article was, uh, was highlighting. So let me just go ahead and I'm going to retract my recommendation and I'm going to say, go to the discern article. I'm finding this stuff out in real time. This is the beauty of doing a live podcast. So go to the discern article and, um, and you can, and they actually source to other articles there as well. But, um, but there are, Rafe, as you said, there, there are ideas behind like the French revolution and and uh and there are other ideologies out there that actually as a christian we we roundly have to denounce white nationalism is obviously one of those you know we don't divide people up into skin color categories or colors of uh, categories of oppression or um of being oppressed we cert we certainly uh would denounce white nationalism as 100 percent evil um but we also look at like the french revolution and um the uh, the ideals of the Enlightenment, we can say, look, they got some things right, but what they got right was really borrowed from a, a biblical way of thinking. And so I think this really brings us to what the actual solution is for wokeness. So if, if wokeness and critical theory are fragmenting a society, the answer is not, yeah, we're going to fragment it even further and make sure our side comes out on top. That's stupid. It's, it's also stupid to say, well, we're going to... Um, we're going to appeal back to these ideals that um, were sort of secularism at, at its finest because secularism has no unifying principle other than just, we want to keep God out of 
public society. And that's really the French Revolution, you know, that's sort of what was motivating that. So the French Revolution actually has more in common with the communist revolutions than it does with the American Revolution. Would you agree with that or no? Or you're muted. Help our listeners out a little bit. So why walk us through why is Macron worried about this? So get us into his mindset. So he's the leader of a nation. Yeah. He's looking at uh, this philosophy, this worldview uh, being infused into his culture and into the mainstream way of thinking, into his own universities, into his politics. What's he concerned? Get us into his brain. Well, why, why would he be concerned about this? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So Macron, being the leader of, of France, um, he, he thinks like a Frenchman. Now I'm not, obviously not a Frenchman, but uh, I did study France, uh, French, and um, oh, this is going back to high school. So I'm not claiming any kind of expertise here whatsoever. But I do know that the French people are very proud of their heritage, at least historically speaking. I don't know what it's like over there today, but they have a long and storied past. And French culture and the French language and and the French characteristics are are. Um, France is not historically a melting pot the way the United States is. In the United States, we've got this long, rich history of immigrants coming from different countries and blending together. That's what we call it a, a melting pot. France, historically, has not been that way. They they take pride in um, in their culture in a in a different way. And so Macron is is looking at the um, the ideas that are threatening to break apart their society, and he's going. Uh, He's not thinking like a melting pot guy going, hey, look, let's all just blend together. He's going, there's something serious that's going to be lost here. For us, you know, in, here in France, it's these enlightenment values and it's the, um, you know, the French Revolution values. He wants to preserve those. And, and he's looking at the ideas and saying, um, this could undermine those values. And not only that, there's a, there's a real realization too that these uh, these woke ideas are leading to violence. That's why he says, quote, when I see them legitimizing this violence and saying that the heart of the problem is that France is racist and Islamophobic, then I say the founding principles have been lost. So he's concerned about the, the breakup of French culture and French society. And he's concerned literally about the outbreak of violence that you know, that you're seeing in rioting and protests, things that we've addressed on on this program. I think that's his concern. What do you think? Well, I'm with you. I, I think, and I, I think he definitely talks about the violence in that article. I think the other thing too is the same reason that uh, you and I would be concerned about wokeism coming into the church, because I think at the end of the day, it's a it's a philosophy that um, does more to tear down than it does to build up. Here, here's the challenge with it: is you know, whenever we talk on this, I always think it's important that Christians who speak against critical theory or against woke philosophy or however you want to call it, um, that we validate a couple things. There are things. Like any worldview, <laughs> there there are elements where when they put their finger on something that that's true, Christians can validate, especially when they're putting on something that is true from a Christian worldview. So yeah. the reality that oppression exists in the world, critical theory didn't come up with that. The right. Bible's been talking about oppression uh, for, for for a long time, right? Yeah. Jesus Clean came and able. The, like there there's plenty of. Uh, language scripturally to talk about oppression and recognize the reality of it in the world that we live in. Um, The the challenge is that when you um, create a a system from a biblical worldview, when you create a system where you say, okay, oppression's real, 
Uh, and, and then we start seeing it in all these places, which there's questions of whether or not these things, these areas where identifying oppression are actually in existence. Right. But we start seeing it all the way. And we're going to find, uh, we want to push for justice in a way that is detached from the God of all justice. What you end up doing is, as one person I heard say, you end up idolizing uh, justice, the idea of justice. And when you idolize justice, you make an idol out of justice, and you detach detach it from the God of justice who defines what justice is, you end up pushing all these justice narratives, which have no solution. It's, it's a never-ending cycle of finding new places to, to insert the pursuit of justice, and you can't get anywhere. And right. all you end up doing is you end up tearing down rather than actually looking for real problems right. and to solve, because there are real problems in the world. Um, and Christians are always hungry to look at problems in the world that, that hurt people or that hurt uh, anybody, wh whatever the situation is, right. and to say, we, we want to step in. We want to care. We want to love. We want to do it the right way. Yeah. Um, but we don't start with the roots of critical theory, which cannot actually provide solutions. It can only keep tearing down, and you, you, you get nowhere with it. I mean, yeah, the right. and pastors should be concerned about it. I think Macron is concerned about it for his own thinking at a, at a national level, just in a very different way than a pastor might be. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Now, um, being Christians, we do know the truth. We we do know how people are reconciled together. Whereas, um, so wokeness, critical theory, white nationalism, any any godless ideology that tries to break people up uh, is 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 trying to pit. Um, groups against each other in some sort of class warfare on the one hand. And whereas uh, enlightenment ideals and French revolutionary ideas are trying to unite people together on these secular godless ideas, even though they're trying to unite people all together, um, we have a much better solution. And the, the solution that we have, Rafe, as you all know, obviously, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to read something from Colossians chapter 3. Now, Colosh, uh, Colossians written to a Gentile church in the very cosmopolitan uh, Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, you know, similar to a Chicago or a Philadelphia or something like that today. And in, 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 a, in an area where there were so many different cultures and groups living together, you would expect that ethnic tensions and class tensions would be running very high. But here is what the Apostle Paul says to those who would uh, be concerned about society fragmenting. Here's what he says. Now, he's, he, he's jump, I'm jumping in mid-sentence here. He says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, meaning in Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. And then he goes on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And he continues on and on. And what the apostle Paul is saying, what, what God is saying through him is this, look, you want unity? I'll give you unity. Give me all your different categories. You, what do you got? Jew and Gentile, historically completely opposed to each other. You got barbarian, Oh, okay, barbarian, that just means, essentially that means uh, non-Greco-Roman Gentile, all right? Fine, right. so now we got barbarians and we got Greeks, but 
But even within the barbarians, there are barbarians, there are Scythians, there would have been other groups as well. There were the Gauls, there were these, you know, uh, the Phrygians, there were these different uh, Gentile groups, okay, some, bar some, some barbarians, some uh, Greco-Roman. And Paul is saying, God is saying through Paul, whatever, oh, and, and uh, Rafe, slave and free. You want to talk about a class distinction? Right. And so okay. it's just, just even while you're there, if we were to go, if we were to take our current labels of oppressed and oppressor and go back, you could apply these terms using yes. using the modern worldview way of talking about that language to all of these groups in different ways. Right. So if we were to lay that 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 grid down on top of all those different groups you just identified, they all have their stories to tell. They all have their history of how they interacted within the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. which puts a lot of our uh, modern day conversation on this to shame in terms of some of the, the challenges that they were going through and the, the stuff that was taking place. So keep going. Right. So what our word would be to Macron, as well as to all of the identity politics type people, okay, people who want to divide everybody up into uh, uh, black and white, rich, poor, slave, free, um, uh, metaphorically speaking, obviously, we're we're anti-slavery, pro-freedom, but um, whatever your distinctions are, what we would say to those people is this, look, you want unity? Find it in Christ. You want peace between the classes? Find it in Christ. You want a, you want a society and a culture that can work together towards a common goal um, in, in peace and in harmony? You can only find that in Jesus Christ. Because when you have to, when you come to Christ, in order to do that, Rave, we, we have to repent of our own sin. That means I've got to humble myself before I come to Jesus. And if I'm coming to, if I'm coming to Jesus first as a repentant sinner, saying, I don't deserve your grace. There's nothing in me. There's no group that I belong to that deserves privilege or deserves extra justice or deserves anything. I'm a sinner. Jesus, have mercy on me. Well, now, Rafe, how could I possibly go to my fellow man with anything like pride or anything like hubris? Uh, far from it. I've got to go to you. I've got to go to my neighbor and I've got to be incredibly humble because I know that God forgave me of things he, you know, I never should have done things that, that he never had to forgive me for, but he shed the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. Right. And that's an incredibly humbling thing. Yeah, when you get a community together, that's incredibly unifying. It's, you said that so well, Joel, you really did. And I think the, and, and you just touched on one of the points that uh, woke philosophy will never teach, which the church holds the keys to. And that is that at the foot of the cross, there is genuine grace and forgiveness, forgiveness that heals. And it's one of those amazing things where you can take people who, you know, I, I think you, you can take people and put them in a church when they've been forgiven by Christ. And they could have been people that literally were at war with each other, mm -hmm. literally uh, hated each other. And when you bring them both before the foot of the cross, something happens and it's called forgiveness. And there's a real forgiveness when there's a genuine repentance, there's a real forgiveness that can take place that heals better than any other system or tool that the world will ever invent. Amen. The grace of Jesus Christ heals, forgiveness works. Um, and so I, I think that um, in, in all of this, that if we're looking for tools that actually work, that one works. Amen. That one builds up. That creates new community, and it, it covers a multitude of sins. And so, anyways, Joel, right. this has been great. Thanks for jumping into this with me. Thank you, brother. Weeks since the last time we jumped on, I feel like I'm out. I'm out of it today, but we're, we're, I'm getting back into the groove, into the rhythm with you. This is fun. Yeah, me too. And uh, and then uh, add on to that fact that I 
um, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering in real time that one of the websites that we <laughs> recommended people to is uh, quite potentially a... a uh, we, well, um, I was trying to click over the Wall Street Journal. There was a Wall Street Journal article, which is what I was trying to find, and I don't know how we clicked on that other one. but Right. Well, you know why I'm, I'm apprehensive about that? Because I have people who watch my content to look for me to slip up in some way. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you know about that. Um, well, there you go. Hey, Joel, you know what one of those great words you, you can learn how to say is? What's that? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I clicked Never heard of it. An accident that I, I, I didn't do my vetting first. And Friends, then there's space for that. Friends, I am so sorry. There you go. I never should have clicked on that link that Rafe sent over to me. <laughs> Get <out of> my <laughs> face. All right. Go. God bless you, bro. Hey, cool. uh, you. you too, brother. Bye. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for uh, participating. Uh, I, man, I always appreciate your comments and, and uh, your, your engagement with these videos and with these episodes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me um, send me an email simply by emailing thethink.institute at gmail.com. Thethink.institute at gmail.com. You can listen to this show, Worldview Wednesday, as well as all of our other shows, including Answer Anyone with Cy 10 Brigancate, new episode coming out tomorrow, simply by going to tinyurl.com slash think network and that'll connect you to all of our podcast shows thank you so much for listening to worldview wednesday my wife alisa and i are support raising missionaries and if you enjoy the work that we're doing and you're edified by it and you're blessed by it you can partner with us with the think institute and the set of case family by going to give.crew.org slash 1018841 again that's give.cru.org slash 101 8841. Thanks again for listening. Hope you hope you found something helpful. Um, and uh, what do we say at the end of these things? Nothing. I don't know. I hope it made you think. Mm -hmm.